Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. Tonight we're doing the sons of God. Amen. I was uh, sharing earlier with the group a little bit before we started that uh, uh, someone from I know from California was missing my mentor and said, you know, where can I get some good content? And <laughs> I said, well, you know, I've been preaching these sermons. Maybe I don't know if you like them and. He was quite surprised that you guys were enjoying these messages. He's like, wow. He said, they're able to understand? I said, well, listen to the rest of them, because I gave him just the last one, and he couldn't believe how much was in the last message, and that you guys, in the short time that I've been here, have been able to grasp all that. And so he thought that was great, and it reminds me of what my doctor said. Or not the doctor, but the assistant or whoever you see, but... They said that there's uh, some kind of a band, IT band, that goes from here down past into your leg, and it got tight, and it needs to be stretched out, and that's what happened. And I know this, uh, the, the other car I had when I was shifting gears, I kept, my leg kept hitting the inner side of the cabinet or whatever, so, so that's what the problem was. So when I was shifting, I kept slamming into that thing trying to manage and so anyway it was tight and so i need to loosen up so that's all i'm trying to do is stretch you all out because you guys you know can't be tight so i'm stretching you out with these messages so i thought maybe that'd be interesting but anyway we're going to talk about the sons of god tonight something we've been talking about i just want to briefly go through some of this just to give you some more background that helps you to understand the Bible in different ways. We've been talking about three rebellions. The Genesis 3 one, you're very familiar with, although you may not be exactly familiar with that serpent. Uh, and we can visit that sometime. I know I kind of got Sherlin all astir about the Piasol bird, but anyway, uh, that's another day. And then there's a second one in Genesis 6. And then we've been talking about the Genesis 10 and 11 event. And so I want to look briefly at this Genesis 6 tonight. It says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters of the daughters were born unto them, uh, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of all which they chose. And so, again, it's it's kind of interesting that Peter talks about angels longing to look into things down here. Well, these are the wrong angels looking into the wrong things and so we've been talking about how this is a rebellion from beings from above the genesis 3 is a being that we know from below that has come up to try to exalt himself above god because he chose not 
to, as we've been saying, not to submit to dirt. I ain't submitting to dirt. And now we have these beings from high that come down into the daughters of men, and they're called sons of God. And this is in the Hebrew, the B'nai Ha-Elohim, the sons of God, they're heavenly beings. And that's how they're described as. And I keep telling you that Jesus is in comparison himself to these beings. Just as we've been trying to teach you that God is the God of all gods. And that there's lots of little G gods. There's only one capital G God. Okay. Well, there are many sons of God. But there's only one capital S. Oh, in son of God. And Jesus takes this title to let you know on parallel with these divine beings that he is far superior and he is in a class by himself, just as Yahweh is in a class by himself. And it's, it's getting this. So this B'nai El-Im is, is, is what we got here. Uh, supernatural beings, the Son of God, a supernatural being that was created by God, conceived as a Son of God. So this is the sense that we have here. These are supernatural beings, but they're obviously created by God. Okay? They're created by God, and so they're understood as a Son of, or a creation of God. They are. Okay? But Jesus calls himself Something entirely different. He says he's first born, but he's not really born. He's in a classification above that. He's not born in the sense of first born as in he was born of God, but that he comes out of God to us. And so he's not a created being. He's above that. But they conceive these beings as being conceived of us, coming out of God in the sense of they're created by God, where Christ is different. In Genesis 6, 3, it goes on, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And then the flood comes. There were giants in the earth in those days, and after that were the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now this is going to be important, this idea of mighty men. You've heard of Mighty Mouse. <laughs> Not Mickey Mouse, Mighty Mouse, right? <laughs> well, we have Mighty Men. And what makes them mighty? There you go. All right. She's with it. She didn't get lost when she came back. She's right with us. You're right on track. This idea of Mighty Men is trying to let you put the word mighty and men together as in there's something mixed about these. They're hybrid. Okay? They're hybrid. We know them as giants. We know them as Goliath. Joshua faced the giants. David faced the giant. Yes? You want me to save my questions till later? It's up to you. What do you want? Go ahead. Who were the sons of God that came down and made it? Or came up and made it? Well, some Jewish writings actually named some of them in the writings of what's called the Book of Enoch. And they named some of them. And... uh, Azazel is one of them, and Samaja is one of them. They're the leaders, and they named some of the other ones. But were they angels? They are sons of God. They're the B'nai Elohim, which is what I'm trying to explain tonight, what these are, a little bit. I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to get your answer to some extent. So we call angels anything that's not God up there. 
That's what we were taught in the Bible. But the Bible uses more, uh, calls everything that's spiritual Elohim, and it calls angels Malachim as like the low-level spiritual beings. And then there's these sons of God that are higher-level beings. Yeah, were these the ones that were the wrong angels looking into the wrong thing? Yes, they came down into the dark. They shouldn't be. Because they produce something that's not what God created. God created humans that are men, using the King James, and they create something that's men with mighty in them. And we're going to get into this idea of mighty. Okay? Yes? But I thought they couldn't procreate. That's what you understood from that verse. In that verse that Jesus is talking about is there's no need for procreation because angels are spiritual beings that live forever. The reason the Bible has procreation is that we die, therefore we have to procreate so life continues. But divine beings live perpetually. I don't say eternally because only God's eternal. Only Jesus is eternal. Okay, so God was before all this. And God created these beings. So they're not eternal, but they are they don't end unless God ends them. And it, that's what makes Psalm 82 that we talked about last Wednesday night such a powerful judgment because they're not supposed to die. Therefore, they don't need to procreate. They procreate and now they're going to die because they don't need to do this. And then the men part of these giants die with Joshua or David, but their spirits live on and the Jewish people understand those spirits to be the demons that Jesus is casting out, that he's dealing with. So they're still around. They didn't die. They're still plaguing us, and Jesus has to deal with those. And so those demons are not even fallen angels in a sense. They're not these. They are, uh, as far as 6-1, they are the demons come from when these mighty men die, where do their spirits go? Because God didn't create them. That's the demons, but not the fallen angels. And so we have lumped all these together. Uh, it's, it, the, the practical term here is conflation. We've conflated all these terms together. As, as I told you before when we were doing our Ascension series, it's like looking at the mountain. Maybe Colorado, because I was six months old, went out to Colorado. And as you get closer to the Colorado, the Rocky Mountains, you're looking at a mountain, but the closer you get, you realize there's more than one mountain, at least in the mines. I mean, um, I'm trying to remember. I, I used to have this really in my head, but I think it's two kilometers, two kilometers from where I met my wife the first time and her village. But it takes me five hours to walk two kilometers because I got to walk through a bunch of mountains. As the crow flies, it's two kilometers. How far is two kilometers? Uh, 1.6 kilometers in a mile. Is that right? So not even two, you know, so not even two miles. But because you got to go down, up and down and around and all this through, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. <laughs> well, it wasn't to grandmother's house we went. I went to, well, I went to her grandmother's house. Her grandmother was so old they forgot how old she is. She's past, you know, she's past 90. She's 100-something. They don't even, they stopped counting. She's not alive now, but she was back then. So they, they'd stopped counting. They didn't even know anymore. She didn't know. She was just, you know, 
But the spirits come from these mighty, these are something that God didn't create. And therefore, we as the stewards of creation must deal with them. So this is, this is the idea of this is these giants. When these giants die physically, the men part of them die, the mighty part that we're going to get into tonight, that's what stay, hangs around as the demons. So they are lesser being. But the sons of God that went into the daughters produced the giants that when they die produced the demons. So therefore they're a higher level being. Okay, and we talked about some of them. So in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 to 23. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn son. What is God doing here? He's actually calling Israel his son. If you pull out the genealogy, I guess I didn't do that. If you pull out the genealogy of Jesus at Christmas time and read Luke 3, Luke goes in reverse. Luke starts with Jesus and goes all the way back to Adam. And what does Luke say at the very end of that genealogy? Adam the what? The son of God. Not Jesus, son of God, but Adam was a son of God. Adam came from God. Remember in the beginning, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the heavenly beings and the earth and the earthlings. So it's amazing how the Bible correlates both of those two together. The sons of God in that sense, but then these sons of God that are these rebellious ones that came down and should not have produced what they produced. And Satan, the serpent, that doesn't want to worship dirt, doesn't want to serve dirt, does not want to serve Adam, does not want to serve underneath him. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to let him rule over me. But God put Adam and Eve, he put them and gave them dominion. This is... What he gave us to rule in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, 29, 30. So we have that idea. So it's amazing that he's putting him, Israel, as his son, God's people, as children of God. Against what this mess is. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. You're the sons of Yahweh. The children of Yahweh. The sons of God. How he does that is amazing throughout the scriptures. So you have these beings that are supernatural beings, but then you also, that's the heavenly ones. And then you have, at the same time, you have earthlings that also bear this same status throughout the Bible. But that's Deuteronomy 14.1. Let's go to Job 1.6. You're familiar with this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came, present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, sometime we need to unpack this here. But just, I want you to know that this is back to the heavenly ones because they're meeting with God before his throne in that divine council setting up there. And they're discussing things on the earth. And he's actually sent this being called Satan here that we need to discuss sometime to look to and fro about the earth. And says, have you seen 
my servant Job. So we definitely know these are heavenly beings. Same thing happens in Job chapter 2 when they meet up again and review. But this is up there. So you have both God created the heavens with heavenly beings and the earth with earthling beings. Psalm 29.1 Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. What is that mighty? This, I want to grab that mighty back from Genesis 6 that these giants were mighty men. They're men, but they're also mighty. What's behind this word mighty here? It's talking about, again, sons of God, heavenly beings. B'nai Elim this time. Sons of God, B'nai Elim. Last time it was B'nai Elohim. Elim is just a short form. El is God. The plural of God can be Elim or Elohim is the plural. But God that we have is described as so much that he is Elohim. So it can be used, it's used more times of God, the Father, but also it can be used of these other heavenly beings. And again, it's a supernatural created being here in Psalm 29.1. Now the King James just says mighty. That's how they chose to translate this phrase, B'nai Elim, in the Hebrew. It's actually two words in Hebrew. The ESV has it ascribed to the Lord, O heavenly beings. And I think the ESV captures that mighty better. Because in the Hebrew, it is two words. It's B'nai Elim, heavenly beings, or sons of God. But that's Psalm 29. And we read this all the time, and we don't think. And it's saying that these heavenly beings are to worship. And we just sang that song that says, the saints and the angels, the saints, the holy ones, including those who've died and gone on before, but also these other supernatural beings and these angels. They're all around the throne in communion with God. And so these heavenly beings are to worship God. That was the problem in Genesis 10, 11, was that these beings that were assigned were not to be worshipped. And Deuteronomy 32 says they started worshipping these beings. Deuteronomy 4 says they started worshipping these beings. And that became the problem. These beings were to worship Yahweh. And these beings allowed themselves to be worshipped. And that's the problem. And we got that from Psalm 82, 6 and 7. When we did that last week, I have said, ye are gods, all of you children of the Most High. But you shall die like men. You'll be like one of the princes. And you'll fall just like they do. It's kind of interesting to me that it's princes here. Not kings. Because kings have to have princes because kings are going to die. And then princes have to have to have, what, princelets? Or what are the grandchildren called? I don't know what does Charles call his grandchildren. Anyway, Charles, what does Charles call his grand, King Charles call his grandchildren? Prince and princess. Oh, they're still prince. Okay. But you got to have princes. You got to have princes because why? The king is going to die someday. So you always got to reload because we die. And now he's telling those spiritual beings that did not do what I taught you last week that they're going to die. Just like princes die, 
Not Princess Di, no. Princess. Don't get confused now. I'm not. She did die, though. But a prince will die, therefore needs a son. And that's always the problem. And they wanted a king, and they got Queen Elizabeth for so long because they wanted a king. Because there were no sons left to take over. Of course, he was her son, and he's been anxious to get the throne. But what do we have here? It's again, Ubene Elyon, sons of the Most High. Elyon is Most High. The El that's above all. Other Els. The Elohim that's above all other Elohims. There are high spiritual beings, but this is the Most High. That's what you have in Psalm 82. Sons of the Most High. Psalm 89, verses 5 through 8. All ye heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also, and the congregation of saints. For who in the heaven can be compared to the Lord, to Yahweh? Who's he talking about? Where are we at? We're in the heavens. We're in the, we're in the heavens. We're in the skies. We're not on earth. This is in the heavens. We're making comparison. We're comparing God to other spiritual beings. Who in the heavens can be compared unto the Lord? If there's no one else up there, then what are we comparing them to? God is bigger than zero. <laughs> wow. Whoo, that's big, right? No, there's other stuff up there. We talked about millions and millions and thousands and myriads and myriads. We're comparing them. And Yahweh is incomparable compared to all of them. Just as Jesus is incomparable. Goes on to say, who among the sons of the mighty? There we go again, mighty. Psalm 89, 5 through 8. Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? We're making comparison between heavenly beings and Yahweh. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Where is these saints? This word saints in the Old Testament is used primarily, the majority of the time, is used of heavenly beings. The fascinating thing that you'll find is when we switch to the New Testament, it's used of the church more often. The church. But in the Old Testament, saints is used more of heavenly beings. Those in the assembly up there. Those surrounding the throne. All those beings that are around the throne. Worshiping God. Continues on. And to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. There it is. All them that are about him. Who's all about Yahweh? There's got to be somebody. There's an entourage up there. There's a bunch of things up there. That's what we're talking about. Oh, Lord, God of hosts, there's host up there. He's the God of all the heavenly host. Who is this strong Lord like unto thee? So Psalm 89 teaches us that there's so many up there. You're saying, well, you were talking, and, and some of them rebelled and came down here and did things that we're not supposed to do. Jesus never said they can't do that. He said they don't need to do it and that was the problem most people i always thought when i grew up that adam and eve were never to eat of the forbidden fruit but my understanding now is that's not the case the case was they weren't to eat it now 
that later on maybe God would have given them a chance to eat from that tree. The fact is the matter is not that God produced a bad tree, making God out to be bad. The fact was it wasn't right now, just like that child that got that gun and shot themselves. Did you see that in the news? Another child got another gun and another child shot themselves. The bad is not the gun. The bad is the fact that that child should have never had to that gun. But eventually, it could be the case. Well, these doesn't say that they were not able to do into the daughters of men. Jesus never said that. They weren't supposed to. Doesn't say they can't. Not by design. Just says they're not supposed to. Because obviously Adam and Eve do eat. So they can eat. They weren't supposed to. And it's quite possible that maybe, I don't know, that they could have later on gotten the wisdom from God. And that's what models this Genesis 6 revelation. Is not only did they come down and produce the giants, but they came down and gave corrupt knowledge. And when they gave that corrupt knowledge... That's why the earth had to be flooded. The biggest problem people have with this view of Genesis 6 is why did God flood the entire earth if all it was is some giants he needed to get rid of? It wasn't just the giants that came down. The Jews tell the rest of the story in their literature that they also brought corrupt knowledge down. And that knowledge that was corrupt flooded the earth and then God, in response to cleanse that evil knowledge, had to flood the earth because it corrupted humanity's thinking and they begin to do things that they should not do. But they're capable of, but they should not do. And so that's what happened. So you have that. And then it was the idea that the law, the Torah, the word came down from Moses to give the correct knowledge of what we were supposed to do. And where does Jesus get his teachings from? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Where does he get them from? The very things that Moses brought down. So he doesn't destroy the law. He fulfills it and asks us to do the same when we love one another. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about. And we fail to see that at times. Moving on. It says, or thy faithfulness around about thee. Those that are faithful. He's highlighting right here in Psalm 89 verses 5 through 8. He's highlighting those that are faithful, loyal to Yahweh. Meaning there are others who are not. And Job talks about that in chapter 15. Those beings that angels that cannot be trusted. Because they can do these things. They're not supposed to, but they can do them. Just like you and I can do a lot of things that we're not supposed to do. We have the capability to do it. Doesn't mean God created us to do that. We have to be careful. So it's all highlighting the faithfulness. Moving on to Job 38, 7. When the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. This is talking about creation itself. They are present at creation. According to Job 38, 7. And in chapter 38, who's talking? 
There's a lot of discussion. I love people that, that like to play with the book of Job. And like, well, who's talking? All right, well, who's talking in verse 7? Because they're like, well, some of those times, sometimes it's not Job, or it is Job, but it's not God. But it's not, you know, it's got God. Well, who's talking in verse 7? So we can have that argument for another day. But there are sons of God present at creation in worship. The heavenly host. We could go back and visit those verses. In Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where these appear in your text. But you don't see them because you're not looking for them. I've already pointed out one. In the beginning, God created the heavens. That means he's got heavenly ones there, present. And earthlings, earth. But there are other places in Genesis 1 and 2 that you will find them hanging out. We just don't have time to cover that tonight. Daniel 3.25, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of fire. They have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, this is how the King James brings it to us. But what is that fourth being in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What does Nebuchadnezzar actually say? If you look at the Hebrew, this is how the ESV renders it. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So it, the ESV is trying to preserve the ambiguity the King James wants to say it's the Son of God. And I'm not going to argue whether that was Jesus there or not. That's fine. And if the King James author wants to do that. But in the Hebrew, when you read the Hebrew, it's ambiguous. And the King James authors chose to make it capital S-O-N, capital G. The Hebrew is more ambiguous and you would have to decide what that is. And the ESV decides to keep it ambiguous. Because the Hebrew does. It doesn't specify exactly who it is. And I'm not arguing that it's not Jesus. But it, it seems that it could, the term is more generic. But they are present right there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're saying, well, you keep doing this Old Testament stuff with us all the time. Can we do something in the New Testament? Okay. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Notice the switch in Matthew. We're moving that we who bring about what Psalm 82 judges those beings for doing. If we bring about that which was missing in Psalm 82, we are in line with what God intended for the children or sons of God to be all along. It's another Heartening back to what happened in Psalm 82 that should have happened that didn't is reversed by those who choose to follow the way of Christ as the Son of God leading us as God's children in the ways of God in the kingdom of God. Here upon the earth as it is in heaven. John 1.12 should be a verse that you're very familiar with. But as many as received him, to him he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You are 
entering into what we talked about on Sunday night, what we keep talking about all through John, what we've been trying to drive home, that you become sons of God when you believe through faith and born again, born from above, and you begin to walk in the things of God which they did not do. They chose to be doing things that they shouldn't. And we have the same choice. Will we choose to do the things we shouldn't do or will we choose to do the things of God? Will we be like those in Psalm 82 that did not? Or will we be like those in Matthew we just read that did? That did do what God called us to do. Romans 8. Here we go. Everybody's always wanting to turn to Paul. Let's go to Paul. Everybody wants Romans. Let's go to Romans. Everybody likes chapter 8. Let's go to chapter 8. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. God has adopted us, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. There it is. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, born from above. Brand new birth. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Did you, did you get that? The Bible says we're going to sit with Jesus on the throne he's sitting in. Isn't that not astounding? What the cross has done. Is that not astounding? If this doesn't raise the hairs on your head, nothing will. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Glorification. Romans 9, 7. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be killed. Not all of Abraham's children... And not all of the heavenly beings. Notice that distinction. He said the children of Israel. He called Israel his firstborn. The children of Israel. But it wasn't not all of Abraham's children. Neither is it all the heavenly beings. That are faithful to him. Not all of humanity has been God's chosen. Neither are all the heavenly beings God's chosen. Notice the distinction here. Neither because they are a seed of Abraham. No, 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 no. It's not just because they have Abraham's blood (laughs) pumping through their veins. There are many with Abraham's blood pumping through his veins. Abraham had many wives, more than Sarai. He also had Keturah. He also had Hagar. Not as a wife but as a concubine. But he had many children through different women. Not all of them, neither are all those in heaven. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 says, And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Paul says, this thing that happened at the cross is bigger than you and I have ever imagined. And it makes us sons and daughters of the Most High. It makes us. What they're not, we can become. We can be filled with God's Spirit 
do what the Holy Ghost inspires us to do to fulfill the law of Christ. Even when they did not. We can reverse what happened in Psalm 82. Reverse Psalm 82 and bring about God's justice upon the earth. Galatians 3.16 Now to Abraham and his seed to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made he saith not and to seeds not everybody not seeds as of many no 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 but of one and to thy seed that one seed Christ only seed and only Christ the other Offspring of Abraham are not going to do it. Those other heavenly beings that reveled are not going to do it. Only, only the seed of Christ. Only the seed which is Christ. Going on in Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Only by faith in Christ Jesus. Only. Only. But all can be children of God now. Not because of Abraham's blood in our veins again. Because I doubt any of us have Abraham's blood in our veins. Because of the blood of Jesus. Woo! Are you washed? Mm. Power. Power in the blood. Power. More power than you ever imagined. Amen. Power to make you children of God. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Joint heirs. Woo! Glory to God. Powerful stuff here. Powerful stuff that's happening. All throughout the New Testament. Galatians 4, Paul summarizes like this. Verses 4 through 7. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. Now notice what happened in Genesis 6. Supernatural beings came down and went into women. What happened with Mary? Holy Ghost went into Mary. Something different, but something right. They were the imitation. They were the cheat. And they produced giants. When the Holy Ghost went into Mary, she produced Jesus, the Son of God. God sent forth His Son, made a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were under the law, that we, we, we all might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, Crying out, my Father, wherefore thou art no more servant. You don't have to serve that anymore. Romans 8, you don't have to be a servant, a slave of sin. But you can be a slave of God, of God's righteousness. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ, and join heirs with Jesus, we just read. We're not serving them we're serving him. And because they're not serving him, they're going to serve us. <laughs> because they're going to be under our feet as we preach the gospel. 
and we go to these nations with all those other gods and we put them under our feet as we carry the gospel, just like Paul says in Ephesians 6, we would when we walk with the gospel of peace. Back to Matthew 5. As sons and daughters of the Most High, walking in the gospel of peace. And Romans 16.20 says, that we take what God promised through Jesus in Genesis 3.15 to put our heads on the serpent and we stomp on all of them. Luke 10 says we walk on them as serpents and scorpions. That's what Luke 10 says. And Paul says he's going to do it with our feet. Our heels. That's what the gospel is incorporating, encapsulating. We've heard the gospel. We got the basics of it, but there's more to it. It's much deeper and more profound. And now we're discovering these profound realities to the gospel that were unseen before, but now we can see them. And of course, there are those who went on before us. They got the full skinny. (laughs) And do I mean the full skinny? They got the new stuff coming, right? The new bodies. The resurrection body's coming. They got the full skinny coming. And we will join them. We will join them. We only know in part, Paul says now, but man, we got some new parts that we didn't know before. By studying deeper into God's word, by stretching you out. Hallelujah. I'm stretched out. Thank you, Jesus. It no longer is giving me problems. It was tight before. I forgot to ask that physical therapist, was I doing Tai Chi? It got too tight or what? She probably would have said, no, you need to do Tai Chi because you are tight. You need to loosen up. I'm trying to stretch you. I'm trying to help you understand. I'm trying to increase your bandwidth to understand the gospel. And I hope you're enjoying it. Because this is exciting to know what God has given us. And we're only knowing a part now. And what's coming is so greater. Mm, so exciting. Father, we thank you for this little taste of heaven tonight. That we can see mm, who we are in partnership and fellowship. All those around your throne that are remaining, as Psalm 89 says, faithful to you. Versus those that chose to do something else in their capacity. We don't want to do something else. We don't want to be with something else. We have our first love, our true love, and that's all we want is to be in love with you through Jesus Christ our Lord by the Holy Ghost. That's what we want, to be in love with you. Help us to avoid something else or someone else and help us to focus totally on the only thing that matters above all else. And that's you. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.